All right, all right. Who's excited to be at church this weekend? Come on. Amazing, amazing. God is so good. Now, I love our student events. God always does some special things. I had a leader come up to me. And if you've, if you've never, if you're looking for somewhere to serve, okay, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but, but it's going to be special, okay? I had a leader come up to me and said, hey, man, my, 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 my sixth grade boys, they're, they're, just, they're just cleaner than they've ever been. And I was like, what? It's usually not the adjective prescribed to sixth grade boys. And I, so I'm thinking spiritual. All these boys are spiritually clean. He's like, no, they found the bidet at our host home. And, you know, it's just been a whole situation. So either way, either way, next time I put out the handbook to disassemble those. But, hey, God is so good. The best days of our church are ahead. I want to welcome you to Faith Promise. Whether you're live at a campus, live online, you're watching later, God behind bars, God is doing some amazing things. The best days of the church are ahead. And I don't say that because it sounds good. I say that because the best days of the church have to be ahead. I want you to think for a second about what our world is facing. These are a couple just brief stats. One in 10 adults worldwide indicate that they are affected by depression or anxiety. You're going to teens, seven out of teen U.S. teens struggle with depression or anxiety. That's a significant amount of people that you lock eyes with, that you see that could be, are statistically likely to be struggling. 35% of teens have contemplated suicide. 602 of Amer percent of Americans ages 12 and over are currently struggling with substance abuse. Now, that's wild. And I don't tell you that to bum you out. I tell you that because I can say with confidence at least 700, almost 800 plus students and adults have committed to live on mission to change those stats to look more like God's kingdom than like the world's kingdom, amen? It's good. It's good, but I believe we can do even more together. The full church, every generation. At Faith Promise, we don't have a next generation. We only have now generation where we all come together uh, to do what God has called us to do, to win the world to Jesus. See, Jesus has been very clear. See, right before he went, right before Jesus went back to heaven, when he put us on mission, he was very clear about what he wanted us to do. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus is having one of his last conversations with the disciples, and he says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So what would Jesus do? He's been given all authority. What is he going to do with it? He sends us with it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That'll be important for today. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them. We don't just get people saved, baptize them, and that's it, but teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, the values that he's commanded, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. See, that, that's not it. That's not just it. Right before Jesus ascends into heaven in Acts 1.8, one of the last things, really the last thing he says to them is he says in verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. He's talking about, they asked him, Jesus, is God going to come back now and bring heaven to earth? And Jesus' response is this, it's not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set. 
Now, I'm a pastor, and that comes up, and a lot of times people want to talk about theological or godly issues with me. More intellectual things like, hey, do you believe in predestination? Or, hey, what do you think about the end times and things like that? And if I could just be super candid with you. I could talk about all those things, but I found myself more often than not saying, hey, super respectfully, that's none of your business. It's none of your business. Have you ever asked your mom and dad, hey, what are y'all talking about? None ya. None your business. I wonder how often we're praying and thinking about something and God's like, God, it's none of your business. Don't worry about that because he says this in verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, not only did God save us, but God saved us, God gave us power. God saved us and gave us power. God gave us power and put us on mission. See, today is very exciting because we are going to make public the next steps of the vision of our church, the next level of clarity that God has called faith promise to. But some of you may think, hey, Zach, why do we need a next step as a church? It's packed, right? There's, there'll be over six, 7,000 people at Faith Promise this weekend. Why do we need a next step as a church? Because the current of our, uh, the current of our world's culture no longer flows close enough to Christian values for people to bump into, to drift towards Jesus, you know, there was a day when you couldn't just call the president of the United States anything you wanted. You couldn't just call him an idiot on social media because you felt that way, no matter what party you subscribe to. There was a day when the biggest challenge at school was grades and not shootings. There was a day whenever it took more than a social media platform to be an influencer or dare I say, disciple maker. See, we currently live, and this is not an indictment, because at Faith Promise, we're not victims and we are not whiners. We are victors and we are world winners, but we currently live in the most undiscipled and unparented generation that has ever lived. It may not be true for your home, but hey, listen, your life is about more than your home. Your life is more about how, what makes you comfortable, but that's the reality of the society that we find ourselves in. The enemy has done everything he can to stop people from hearing, seeing, and experiencing a winning life through Jesus Christ. And if we are going to obey what Jesus said for us to do, then we have to live in such a way that wins the world to Jesus. And let me tell you, it's gonna take more than great services. And we have great services across all of our campuses online. The services are amazing, but it's going to take more. From now on, our vision as a, as a church at Faith Promise, if somebody says, you go to Faith Promise, oh, what's that all about? Faith Promise, we exist to win the world by equipping Christ followers to win their world, starting with, starting with 1% of the state of Tennessee. We exist, amen, that's, that's, it's good. It's good. Uh, for us to win as a church, that means for us to be successful, we need people to win Monday through Saturday. This is why as a church, we are committed to winning the world by equipping you to win your world to Jesus. And hey, listen, to accomplish something so massive, to accomplish something so crazy, we have to be intentional. I love what Dr. John Maxwell said. He says, you never drift to a desired location. 
You've never accidentally lost the weight you wanted to lose. You've never accidentally saved the money that you wanted to save. And listen, nowhere is it more important that we're intentional than our walk with God and with our eternal purpose. I'm telling you, the devil is fine with you making a lot of money, with you having good grades. He's okay with you having a pretty good marriage. He's okay with you being busy and even doing good stuff. But you and I existing to win the world to Jesus is a no-go in the devil's eyes. But hey, it doesn't matter what is right in his eyes. It matters what's right in God's eyes. Because we live with a power greater than the lies, the schemes, and the threats of the devil. We live by what God has called us to be and do, amen? That's who we are. So the way we're going to be intentional about winning our world to Jesus is by living out biblical values that will equip us to live a win-the-world life. Our values as a church that will accompany that vision is we love God, we love people, we discover purpose, and we win our world, we win your world. Now, you see it as a circle behind me. The reason it's this way is because we believe that one leads to the other. As you love God, which we're gonna talk about today. As you love God, it's, it's, it's really impossible to love God without loving people. And as you love people, you will discover your eternal purpose. And as you discover your purpose, you will win your world. I'm telling you, I've never shared my faith. I've never fought to love God and to win my world where it didn't make me love God more. And so our plan is as we live out these values, not only will you love God more as you win your world, but you will introduce new people to this kingdom culture, to this win the world culture, to this love of God and people and purpose. And hey, listen, it's not just our desire that this is the culture of our campuses and our church. Sincerely, it's our deepest desire that this is the culture of your life and of your home. And at Faith Promise, I, we are never gonna ask you to do something that we are not doing. So I'm gonna show you a video of me and my kids. This is unpracticed, unprompted, but let's take a look at this. All right, guys, have we practiced this video at all? No. All right, do you know what I'm going to ask you? No. Okay, I'm gonna ask a question, and then there's four answers, and I want you guys to both give an answer, then the other one gives an answer. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, don't you make me look silly, okay? All right, Dale, Dale, I'm going to start with you. What are the values of our house? Just say one. What's the values of our home? Easy. Say one. Pursue our purpose. Pursue our purpose. All right, River, what, what's another one? Uh, win the world. Win the world. Jail, what's another one? What's the last one I said? You said... You said pursue purpose or discover purpose. He said, Love God. Love God. River, big time. What's the last one? Um, love people. Love people. The values of our house. Love God, love people, discover purpose, and win the world. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, hey, hey, uh, again, and this is not like bragging, saying that we're better parents than anybody, but what I can promise you is we are focused parents. And so, hey, our kids, when they come home singing songs we don't want them to sing, saying words we don't want them to say, when we say, hey, we don't do that, it's not because it's daddy's preference or because mommy doesn't want to hear it. It's because, hey, guys, we've talked about every night at Bible time that these are our God-given values. See, the world is discipling the thought 
that people can value whatever they want to, right? That, that's what the world is, is, is discipling, because the world is discipling. Believe you me, the world's discipling. This, this weekend, I was, I was sharing my faith with a guy on the plane and we were talking and, and, uh, and just, it, it came up. So I said, hey, what, what's your thoughts on eternity? And he said, well, I don't, I don't really have any. I said, oh, what, what does that mean? And he said, well, I just think when you die, it's, it's over. And so I'm like, okay, my mind's racing. I'm like, okay, how, how do I introduce this guy to Jesus? And I said, hey, well, what about this? I said, do you think like this, is, this world's all like an accident? It's called kind of evolution. And he said, yes. And I was like, well, hey, I, I think that this world is so specific. It's so intentional that I think it was designed by a creator. I mean, one inch closer to the sun, we'd roast like weenies, one inch away from the sun than where we are perfectly fixed, that we would freeze like popsicles. But I could see that wasn't, that wasn't getting me anywhere. Like, okay, okay, re, re, reevaluate, listen. So I kept listening to his life. He told me he was a teacher. He had retired as a teacher. So I said, hey, have you seen over, because he taught for 30 years. I said, hey, as you taught, have you seen like kind of the morals of families get a little crazy? He was like, oh my gosh, yes, man, it's, crazy. it's wild, all this stuff. And I was like, he said, I said, I was in student ministry. I see it too, it's a little wild. And I said, hey man, where do you get truth from? He said, what? I said, well, hey, all these families and people, they're, they're acting crazy because that's, that's the truth that they believe. That's what they think matters most. I said, hey, where do you get your truth from? What matters most to you? And he said, well, I, I guess I kind of come up with it on my own. And I said, well, hey, what do you think is going to happen to our world if we all just keep coming up with our, our own truths? He said, well, it doesn't look good. I said, well, what do you think we should do? He said, well, I, I don't have an answer for that. And I just said, hey, me specifically, as I've looked at the Quran that Muslims use, as I looked at the Book of Mormons that Mormon use and other things, this Bible gives a truth that's transformative. And we, he and I processed, he didn't give his life to Christ that day, but we talked about those values. And the values that we have as a home pushed me to be able to say, hey, not only do these values lead to a healthier world, but they lead to a transformed life. Let me ask you this, what are you fighting, what are you fighting back with discipling at your home? If the world's discipling, you can pick whatever matters most to you, what are you fighting back with? See, we have to live out values that lead us to win the world to love Jesus. And today we're gonna talk about our major, our first, our first foundational value, which is we love God. We believe this is the first step towards building a kingdom culture, the first step towards winning the world, and not just at the halls of fate promise, but at the halls of your home, the halls of your schools, the halls of your job, and most importantly, the halls of your heart and how you act and live. The fact that we love God, it shapes all that we do. Listen, why would we choose to do something so crazy as win the, war, the world to Jesus? as crazy as reaching 1% of the state of Tennessee. That's 66,000 people. Why would we act so wild and crazy? It's because we love God and we cannot imagine a life that someone else is living where they don't get to love him too. And we're driven by that. And because we're driven by that, we'll do some crazy stuff. Now I told the students this weekend about my first love. I did love a girl before I loved Rachel. Now, I'm in love with Rachel. We've been married for 10 years. It's amazing. But I did love somebody before Rachel. It was deep. It was passionate. That drama. Her name was Kindergarten Carol. And it was a big deal. It was a big deal. I loved Carol, right? 
And you, I did what you do when you love somebody. You want to give somebody something, right? They make you feel a certain way, so you want to do something for them. And so as a kindergartner, I went shopping the only place that was available to me, which just happened to be my mother's jewelry cabinet. That's where I went. And I'm a man. I'm a man. So I'm looking for the biggest rock I can find, right? And so I'm pilfering. I'm looking through there, and I found the biggest one. Did it happen to be my mother's 10-year anniversary ring? It did. It happened to be that, okay? All right? I gave it to her. And shockingly, I'm alive to tell the story, okay? (laughs) But hey, love is crazy. But hey, we love love. But hey, do you ever seriously stop and think about why we love people and things? Seriously stop for a moment and think, why do I love my spouse or this sport? Or why, why do I love it? Isn't it because of what they do for us? and how they make us feel, what they do for us, how they make us feel, it it conjures this love inside of us from your spouse to your boyfriend or girlfriend or best friend, favorite device or sports team or club, whatever it might be. We love stuff because of what it does for us and how it makes us feel. Well, let me ask you this. When it comes to loving God, do you find your love for God down the list of things that you love? If you were to write down, prescribe out the things that you love with your life, your actions, your words, would you find God farther down the list than you wish he was? So if we love people and things because of what they do for us, how they make us feel, and we find God farther down the list than we wish he was, do we believe that people and things add more value to our life than God? Oh, Pastor Zach, there's no way that's true. Well, hey, listen, it's not what you say with your mouth but how you love with your heart that really matters. And we believe that about each other, but do we believe that about how we love God? Does your life and your love demonstrate that you love God most? Is that what it demonstrates? Now listen, even if you're unsure about the Bible and Jesus and church, maybe you're still trying to understand what it looks like to discover God, God's love. And hey, that's okay, we're so glad that you are here, we're so glad. But listen, when it comes to love, the first move matters, doesn't it? When it comes to love, most don't want to make the first move, but it's important. It's a big one. It sets the tone. It says a lot about how the relationship is going to work out. Like when I promised I would love Carol forever with my mom's ring. It turns out if you promise with a stolen ring, it doesn't really count, okay? So, uh, so just like I did that day, but hey, the, 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 the first part matters. It matters so much. So, hey, what about your walk with God? Think about that. What about your relationship with God? Whether you have one or whether you don't, is your outlook that you made the first move? Really think about it. Did you make the first move or did God make the first move? This is so important to know. God loves us first. God made the first move and not just the first move, but all the moves. God, listen, God has loved you first and God loves you always. And this is a love like any other love we've ever had. Let me ask you this. Would anybody love you if they knew everything that you thought, right? If there was a microphone here and a microphone here, attendance would not be great. I'm gonna tell you that right now. What if people knew every thought, every physical, emotional, and mental angle of your life? I don't know about you. I don't think anybody would love me I don't even think I would have any friends, but God knows me to that level. God loves you first, God loves you most. God knew you first and God knows you most and he still chooses to love you and that's massive and not just kind to love you, but love you completely. It's amazing. 
The disciple that Jesus loved, his name was John. And it's, he wrote this in John 3, 16 to 17. It says, for God so loved the world, this is Jesus talking, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is important. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Here's what I want you to understand. I want you to know, listen, that God and Jesus, they, they've always loved each other. They've always been together. That's a, big, that's a big thing. I want us to know that. Just remember that. And it says, again, I, I, want, I want to make sure that we all know that I loved Carol. I loved Carol, right? I loved Carol. But if I knew I had to die because I liked her, Carol would never hear from me again. You know what I'm saying? I would never talk to Carol again, even though I almost died for giving her that ring. But that's, again, it's a different sermon of grace for my father, right? Babe, what I want you to know is that God's love was not free. Another disciple, Matthew, and he writes this in Matthew 27, uh, verse 46. This is huge. It says about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, lemma sabatini, which in Hebrew means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is on the cross here. It's one of the last things that he says before he dies. But hey, why would he say that about God? Why is God, why is God forsaking him? Why is that? Think about this. God and Jesus had for eternity, they had been together. They had been in relationship. They made the world together. They made us together. They'd always been in relationship. Why is he having to turn, why is God for the first time in eternity having to turn his back, having to forsake Jesus? Because as Jesus is down on that cross, our sin, the things that we've done wrong is pouring down on Jesus. And biblically, because God is perfect, he cannot be in relationship with a sinful being unless there's a payment for that sin. Jesus is in the middle of paying for my sin, for your sin. It's being heaped on him. And he says, Eli, Eli, love us as God has to turn his back so that God could turn his face towards me and you. Listen, don't just take my word. I mean, that's so good, right? I mean, is that something we're celebrating? And here, we're, we're, about to, about, we're about to have an opportunity for people to give their life to Christ. But here's something that really matters to me. I think that a lot of us have heard this so much. This is more of a, a theory than a reality. It's more of a fairy tale than a, a, a transformational truth. And so can we take a second and listen to this testimony as we give people an opportunity to give their lives to Christ. My name is John Troyer, and uh, I've seen so many answers to prayer. And what's really cool about it is when our family decided to move here, God put on my heart, he's like, what you saw me do in Ohio where you used to live, what miracles you saw, wait until you see what he's going to do here. I don't like saying God told me, but God definitely made it clear to me, just, just listen to what I tell you. And then Pastor Chris one day explained his story and he talked about it. When he served, he just jumped right in. And I'm like, well, I feel like God's actually wanting me to do all three things at the same time, deliverance ministry, prayer ministry, and students ministry. And then things started to get real interesting real quick. So I was 
volunteering, I believe it was my first day on the prayer team, and um, a lady by the name of Leslie walked up to me and asked for prayer for cancer. And I thought, wow, God, okay. <laughs> but it didn't matter. I, I, I knew God wanted me to pray. Something that I felt, I, I felt when I started doing short-term missions over in the Middle East is I felt the presence of God. I didn't understand what it was. I would feel this electricity just flowing through my arms. The same thing happened when I was praying for Leslie, except it was super powerful. When I prayed, I didn't know if she actually felt this, if I was the only one that felt this. But what was interesting is I felt God basically saying, be silent. And that's when God really showed up. And what was interesting about Leslie is a couple weeks later when I met Robbie, he basically described exactly the same thing she experienced as to what I experienced. So it confirmed everything that I had felt, but she was healed. She was healed of type three carcinoma cancer. The miracles that God's doing shows us the love of God. Sometimes people don't even know the miracle that happened, whether it be deliverance or healing. And I find out later on, you never know what you're gonna be doing. It can be prayer, it can be healing, it can be deliverance, it can just be smiling at somebody. And sometimes it's just being quiet. Amazing. Now, why, why do we show you that? It's because this relationship with God, it's true. This relationship with God, it brings more than fire insurance where you're like, oh, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to give my life to Christ. No, this is a relationship, an unshakable, un, 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 like, take it, nothing can take it back. It's already happening. This is real. This is who God has called us to be. This is what kingdom culture looks like. This is what loving God looks like. Now listen, if this is something that you want in your life, in your home, in your school, your job, your community, what's stopping you from stepping into God's love? What's stopping you from stepping into a relationship with Him? We wanna tell you about God's love for you. We wanna tell you that when He died on the cross, it was for every sin, everything you've ever done wrong so that you can have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm telling you, this gift from God is available for you if you will accept it. Paul, who was a murderer before he found Jesus' love, says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I know all of our campuses, there's people, that it's your time to enter into a relationship with Jesus. This weekend is your weekend. So we do me a favor at all of our campuses and online and homes, we we just bow your head and close your eyes. Just listen to the sound of my voice. Just focus in, don't get distracted. But if you would say, Zach, I need that relationship. I need God's love. I, I need to step into his love for me. I wanna accept, we just raise your hand. We're gonna pray, but if you wanna receive that love of Jesus, we just raise your hand. Amen. Here, let's, let's pray all together at all of our campus. Let's pray right now, say, Jesus, I know you came and died on the cross to pay a debt that I could never pay. I want to serve you. 
I want to receive your love. I want to win my world. Be Lord of my life. You died for me, so I will live for you. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if, if you gave your life to Christ this week and if you said, hey, for the first time, or for the first time where you meant it, that you gave your life to Christ, will you just raise your hand and let us know? We just wanna be there with you, awesome. Raise them high, let's celebrate that. That's amazing, amazing. Faith promise, let's celebrate people who gave their life to Christ. That's amazing, unbelievable, unbelievable. All right, hey, this, this is, we're, we're about to do one of my favorite things we do at Faith Promise. It's amazing. And that's, we are gonna have time for people to be baptized. I love this, in, in Acts 2, 37 and 38, this is so special. It was a group like this gathered and when the people heard this well, about Jesus, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? How do we get saved? And Peter said, repent, that's what we just did, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's people at all of our campuses, you just gave your life to Christ. There's people at all of our campuses, maybe you, got, maybe you got baptized at VBS when you were a little kid, but you didn't know what you were doing. Today is the day. Today, I want you to stand up. We're gonna celebrate here in a second. I really do. I Don't let anything hold you back. I want you to get up and go to the back, not yet. I want you to get up and go to the back of, your, of the worship center you're at, and we're gonna, we're gonna baptize you today. We've got shorts, we've got everything you need. It's gonna be amazing, it's gonna be amazing. But hey, a lot of us, maybe you give your life to Christ, you know, but I don't see that power. Listen, that power comes through obedience. That's why Peter said, you repent of your sins, what we did, then you get baptized, and then we're gonna pray that you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And hey, listen, that's not weird. The people who have the Holy Spirit in are weird. They were weird before they got them, okay? Today is the day for you to walk in freedom. Hey, do you have a reason not to? Yes. Did Jesus have a reason not to die on that cross? Yes, but he loved us and we love him. So we're gonna move today. So on the count of three, on the count of three, we're gonna stand up. And if you gave your life to Christ or you need to be baptized, I want you to walk out the back, all right? So faith promise all campuses count with me. One, two, three, I right, stand up.